Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Hi, right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the next episode of The Grind. I have no idea what episode this is. I think we're up in the 30s now. You know, after you go for about a year, you just kind of, it's so yeah. hard to keep track. And I'm going to say the wrong yeah. number anyway, so. Might as well just yeah. not even do it. <laughs> yeah, just not even acknowledge it. Hey, we're in our 30s. How about that? So, uh, not Chad and, well, Chad's in his 30s. I'm not in my we, 30s. We are, our and, podcast uh, is the equivalent to a grown man living in his parents' basement playing video games. All day. <laughs> that's about where we are, I think, in our maturity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, hey, that's a pretty apt description there. Okay. I'll, I'll go with that. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, goodness. Well, you know, folks, uh, as we've said over and over, uh, you get what you pay for, and uh, with us, you really get less than what you pay for, and it's free. So, but anyway, well, uh, glad to have you guys back with us. Uh, it's been a fast and furious fall so far, and uh, September has been a blur. And uh, looking forward to October getting here for for some cooler temperatures and a little bit of a break in the workload. Uh, so, uh, I need about 18 more things to do, uh, you know, between now and next Tuesday. So, uh, (laughs) so if, if you guys are sitting around thinking, you know, I I need some help with some stuff, you know, Dave's not got anything going on. I'm just going to give Dave some more stuff to do. So just Mm -hmm. bring it on. That's been my world here lately. So, uh, anyway, but, uh, we're excited today. Uh, going to have J.D. Payne uh, on the podcast with us. J.D. is the multiplication pastor, uh, well, I guess multiplication and church planting pastor at Brook Hills Church in Alabama. So anyway, but uh, looking forward to talking apostolic church planting and just his passion for the nations and how to do church planting among different people groups. And so I uh, hope you guys enjoy this interview and, uh, and then we'll follow up with some wrap up thoughts at the end all right so welcome jd Payne to the grind podcast all the way from alabama hey man thank you so much it's great being with you guys today i'm assuming you are in alabama you could be halfway around the world that is that is true yes i am here in birmingham today (laughs) all right (laughs) alabama not in the uk area okay well that that would be nice too uh, as as well of course you you probably probably wouldn't be podcasting if you were in birmingham alabama i mean uh england (laughs) and so uh i don't know what time it would be over there but probably not podcast prime podcasting hours there you go i think it's i think it's pronounced birmingham over there too is it that's that's true but i'm originally from kentucky so i wouldn't know the difference (laughs) yeah That's right. And, and, and I'm originally from Arkansas and Chad's from Tennessee, so we're all out of luck on that one. Uh, this is a sufficiently southern podcast. Uh, there you today. go. Yeah, the, only, the only reason Yeehaw. I know how to Birmingham is because of soccer. So. Uh, yeah. Chad, here, okay, disclaimer. Chad is a massive soccer fan. What's and, a soccer? Uh, yeah. And <laughs> he He's so arrogant, he calls it football. And, uh, oh, do and not. So, Come and on. nobody else cares. What's a football? <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. That's right. That's right. When I got to Birmingham, all of the basketballs became oblong. I don't know why. (laughs) 
That's hilarious. I just lost half my membership right there. That's right. That's right. Although Kentucky football is kind of on the rise with with Mark Stoops. I'm anxious to see. They may uh, disappoint some people this year, uh, (laughs) you know, who are expected to beat them. So that'd be funny. All right. Well, JD, we're excited to have you on the podcast. Once you kind of talk about, just give our listeners an update on kind of your ministry journey uh, leading up to and including uh, your role at Brook Hills uh, yeah, Church in Alabama. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, as I mentioned, I grew up in in the southeastern part of Kentucky in Horbin, Kentucky, and uh, came to faith there. I came to faith uh, when I was in high school, uh, about 14 years of age. Uh, in fact, I um, I, I came to faith through a revised revival uh, live TV service. I said I said revised a live excuse me a live revival service of my home church. There we go. Um, wow. I remember that uh, I I could not be there that night. Uh, I stayed home and watched it on TV. It was small town, you know. You got your local TV stations, and and wow. so uh, the church is broadcasting that night, and uh, and still remember part of the message and. I was I was there by myself that evening and remember uh, repenting of my faith and placing uh, <laughs> repenting of my sins. <laughs> you guys got me stuck on the sports conversation. Sorry about that. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so re- re- repenting of my sin and placing faith in Christ and and, and so yeah, it was through TV ministry of my local church and um and then I uh, uh, my plan was to go off to uh, to the University of Kentucky, which I eventually did, but uh, to major in agriculture science, and and it was probably about uh, about three years later. I was about seventeen when the when the Lord just started dealing with my heart on on serving Him in, in pastoral ministry, and and I, I I ran from that. I I. I tried to rationalize with God, you know, I could be a missionary on the field in agriculture science and, uh, and came up with some, some good alternative plans for God. Yeah. And, uh, hmm. and obviously that was not, not sufficient. And I, I felt the finger of the Holy spirit just pressing down harder and harder, uh, on, on just my, my heart. And I was just felt as low as I could possibly be. And I realized that, you know, if, if I indeed was a follower of Christ, uh, I could say one. I could not say no to him, I could, and and so I, I had to do his will. And then I realized if I'm a follower of Jesus and I continue down this path, I'm, I may one day wake up in the belly of a big fish. Yeah. <laughs> and so wow. I I remember <laughs> remember very very much uh, where I was, what chair I was sitting in, and when I just repented of that sin of rebellion against God's uh, God's plan and leadership. I, and uh, just instantly, it was a very emotional time. Just instantly felt the relief of, of, of you know, the, the the heavy finger of the Holy Spirit uh, on me as I walked in my my rebellion. Uh, instantly removed, and uh, did not know, did not know where that path was going to take. But you know, by faith, you know, walk by faith, not by sight. And um, and the Lord just gave me just instant peace uh, as a result of that. So I did go on to to the University of Kentucky and um, uh, ended up eventually going on to seminary. And before I started seminary, uh, I started pastoring in Winchester, Kentucky, and then um, uh, continued to pastor throughout my, my seminary uh, uh, studies. Uh, ended up pastoring both in Kentucky and Indiana, working with church planning teams in both of those those states. And uh, then uh, came to uh, Southern Seminary as a professor. Uh, teaching uh, church planning and evangelism, and I taught at Southern for for ten years. And nine of those ten years, I was also appointed 
with the North American Mission Board. At that point in time, they, they had national missionaries and they had uh, guys assigned on each of our sister SBC school campuses overseeing our church planning program and coordinating and recruiting uh, all across North America and for our state conventions and associations. And so I did that nine of those 10 years uh, while I was in Louisville. And then uh, five years ago, just just a little over five years ago, uh, the Lord opened up an opportunity for my family and I to come to to the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, where I serve as the pastor for church multiplication and uh, have been here uh, for the past uh, five years. Oh, wow. Wow. And so uh, did, now, did you ever do your degree in agri-science? Is that what you did at Kentucky? What did you do at Kentucky? So so, so I go to Kentucky and declare my, my first semester, uh, my major, as biotechnology. <laughs> Agriculture huh. biotechnology. It was it was hmm. you know cutting edge. It was cool. It was hip at that point in time, uh, and, and I'm sure it still is. Yeah. Uh, but, but then after realizing <laughs> I barely make it through college algebra, I needed to major in sociology. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and and so I felt like sociology would make me more marketable in the world today, and uh, and so I changed my major. No, on a serious note, I did change my major to sociology, and the reason I did was because at that point in time it was very clear that I was to go on to seminary and I realized that uh, I would be doing a lot of labor in the classroom over something that uh, I would not be using in the days to come. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really saw my time at college as, as, as being on a mission field uh, while I was there. Yeah. And then also simultaneously I saw it as um, how can I, how can I get through this really as quickly as possible to go on to where God was calling me in pastoral ministry and seminary education. Yeah. Well, I, t- I started out in engineering and took college algebra three times and decided <laughs> that if I can't pass college algebra on the first time, I probably shouldn't be doing engineering. And That's so, right. Well, I don't know. I've seen some crooked <laughs> bridges around here in Birmingham. You may have been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could have I been on designing of those. And, uh, oh, goodness. So. That's incredible. I only took one math class in college, so I don't know what you guys are even talking about with math. Uh, So, J.D., you've been in the church planting realm for a while now and do a lot of research as well. What are some of the major trends that you've seen over the years in church planting? Major trends? Um, Well... If you if you go back to like the the the, uh, the late seventies early eighties there there was really a paradigm shift in the U S uh, in North, in the North American context uh, that uh, guys like uh, Bob Logan and and Rick Warren really really pioneered and popularized um, Logan more than anyone uh, really uh, transformed the thinking of, of pretty much the church planning processes of all denominations and non-denominational groups in, in North America, even up until this day. And most people don't even know who the guy is. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, I, but, but, but the notion of uh, developing a core group, having a lunch uh, service, lunch gathering, uh, that, Prior to that time, that wasn't discussed very much, and so a lot of those guys really led led that transition, and that's now become common expectation among among a lot of church planters. Um, I think the issue of contextualization has become a has been become big over the years. Uh, for many years, it was not discussed, and now it's it's again it's an expectation. You know, exegeting. There's that word that we often hear, exegeting your culture, exegeting mm-hmm. context in in church planting, mm-hmm. uh, wherever you go. Uh, you know, I think they, I think that's been critical. Uh, in, in the in the past, I'm going to guess maybe ten years or so. I think the notion of of multiplication 
has become more and more at the forefront of a lot of people's thinking. And so they're asking questions, how do I multiply not only disciples, but how do I multiply leaders? Uh, how do I multiply churches instead of just individually planting churches by, by addition? So I think those are some of the big things that we've seen uh, since the late 70s, early 80s, uh, up until today. And, and I, I mean, there are other elements in there we could talk about, um, but they extend, I think, beyond church planning circles. And that's things related like contemporary worship and preaching styles and, uh, you know, small groups, uh, you know, assimilation processes and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I t- we're we're real big on uh, you know in Arkansas thinking like a missionary. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got to know your culture. And Arkansas is a really diverse state. It's you know from Northwest Arkansas to Southeast Arkansas. You, I mean, you could not get more. Uh, opposite in culture, uh, you know, Northwest was Walmart and J.B. Hunt and Tyson. I mean, big business, international kind of flair. You used to be very rural, very country kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And because of Walmart requiring their vendors to have offices there and everything has changed to a much more metropolitan feel uh, to the hills, you know, across northern Arkansas, the Delta on the east side of the state and, and it's very diverse state. And so uh, you, you got to know what culture you're walking into mm-hmm. uh, to plant effectively. And so we've been big on contextualization and, and multiplication has, has been ramped up hard and heavy, you know, over the last little bit. Uh, as well, not just planting mm-hmm. one church, but two, three. We just did a podcast with Wade Burnett uh, from Multi-Site Solutions. Uh, Wade's becoming a friend and and uh, uh, looking to do some not just multi-campus things, but some strategic micro-church uh, kind of expressions of multi-site and, and mm-hmm. really impact lostness across Arkansas. So, Yeah, I mean, even, even the terminology, uh, you know, for many years we would say church planting. Now people are saying church multiplication. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, yeah. so even even the you know our our language that we're using yeah. know, that's that's kind of shifting and reflecting. I think a a shift at least in philosophy yeah. of, of church planning thinking. Yeah, well, and and you know another trend that you know I, I don't know if we call this a trend. This is I think a biblical model, and you've been a strong advocate for apostolic church planting and and evangelism, which produces disciples, which then gathers together as a church, and <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. I think the the whole missional conversation has kind of resurrected that pretty mm-hmm. heavy and much needed corrective I think to to the church planning conversation and and uh, and we've just gotten to the point here in Arkansas that our you know kind of first step is go start a group you know you mm-hmm. go share the right. gospel and you pull people together and and mm-hmm. if guys can do that uh, and if they're really wired for church planting that's going to be their heartbeat anyway mm-hmm. and so it's kind of become a test case for us can they do this can they not do this if they can't why not is it a, you know so on and so on and so you know as you're traveling around I know you're all over the country all over the world um, are, are you seeing that trend move away from just you know launch a service you know Mm -hmm. have preview services launch a service and then kind of maybe get to disciple making after that more of the two more of the apostolic approach uh is that picking up picking up it is picking up it is picking up steam the reason i didn't mention it earlier is that i don't feel like it's widespread enough i mean so so you guys throughout your state and 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 a few uh, others across uh across the country you know i see are advocating pushing in that direction um, but but I don't see it I don't see it as a, as a as a front burner issue like I think it needs to be yeah and and so I really don't we well we really have not had a what I believe to 
to be um, a systematic shift, or maybe I should say it this way, a systemic shift, that'd be a better way to yeah. express it, a, a systemic shift in the way we think about disciple making and, and the multiplication of, of churches in North America. Even, even some of those conversations, even some of the missional conversations that I've been a part of uh, still look very very much like how we've been doing church planting since the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just in a different cloak if you will. So so you know we're we're, we're we've moved from uh, you know Hawaiian shirts and sandals to you know black t-shirts and <laughs> candelabras ask me sometimes about the time that I yeah. almost burned my hair set my hair on fire in a, in a worship gathering. Um, okay, you may to, need to stop and tell that story. Then we, then we get the skinny yeah. jeans era. Yeah. Uh, and and, and truth be and truth be told, guys. I mean, if you think about it, truth be told, I mean, it's sy- systemically the way we're thinking about church and the planting of churches and making disciples. It, it doesn't look that much different than going back before the early '80s, where everything was in three-piece suits and ties in yeah. church planting world. Yeah. Um, we we have not had the ecclesiological shift that I think yes. is is biblically needed and and also um, practically needed as well in light of five billion people in the world without without Christ. So um, so I didn't bring that up, but I am encouraged. I am really encouraged that, that some things are happening, some changes are occurring where we're seeing uh, push into the churches being birthed out of the harvest. And, and that's something um, that we need to push in more on and on as we do, move forward. Do you think it's a, because uh, we've been wrestling with trying to, trying to figure out why that is and uh, I, I think part of it is a financial issue I think there's some fear there financially if we've got a larger church based core group then it's more financially secure I, I, I get all that and um, but we've I've got four guys I'm working with right now and, and this is these guys are really giving me hope uh, and there are others but here back to back four guys that um, all of them are starting with evangelism conversations they're making disciples and we haven't even finished their paperwork yet mm-hmm. uh one of them just started a few months ago and they've already baptized 12 mm-hmm. uh and and <laughs> haven't even we haven't even gotten to the funding question yet That's awesome. and so so those are uh reassuring kind of glimpses that okay maybe and we, we've been pushing this hard uh pretty heavy um and that guys are getting that and wanting that um you know alan you know, in his book, uh, uh, Leap, uh, Faith of Leap, you mm-hmm. know, asked the question, that fundamental question, you know, when's the last time that the church was seen as an adventurous people? Um, and, and I think we're seeing some guys that are kind of taking on that adventurous spirit. But other than finances, is there any other reason that you can think of that, that we might not have, why we might not have had that shift like we should? Well, well I think the yeah, I think the fun. I think that's. I think that what you just hit on is is one of the surface issues, one of the felt issues. But I think the the foundational issue. It's it's really a theological issue, yeah. uh, it, and it particularly relates to to our ecclesiology and our understanding of, you know, what is church, uh, what is church planning, who can who can be a church planter. Um, we we still think very much in terms of pastoral ministry. Yeah. Even when it comes to church planting, now, now I'm a pastor. As you know, in my, in my story a few moments ago, I've, I've even though I've been involved in church planting, work with church planting teams. My, my calling, my wiring, the way I'm shaped is, is pastoral pastor teacher. If you're looking at Ephesians four eleven and twelve, but we still think very much like um, ministry is to be done through a, a pastoral filter, a pastoral lens, and that's because that's all that's been modeled before us. That's right. all that we know in North America. 
we uh, we we've never lived in a context that is like parts of the majority world uh, where there are uh, majority of the populations are unreached people groups and so the church becomes a colony in the United States way back in the day and so we it's it's been carried over from a, from a, a church world in Europe and so we we've always seen this model before us and what we, we imitate what we know uh, and we know what's been modeled before us and so we've never we've never really embraced an apostolic approach to disciple making and church planting in North America now take any of us outside of North America and it's like yeah that's the expectation yeah but, but for some strange reason we only think in terms of pastoral um, lenses mm-hmm. if you will and in, in North America so so I think that's that's Part, that's that's a major reason why we practically are seeing some of the things that we see. I mean, if you look, uh, just for example, at uh, Acts 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, if, if you follow that out to its conclusion there in Acts 14 from where they were sent out of the church in Antioch, the, the pattern is, as you mentioned a moment ago, they do, they do evangelism, and then out of evangelism, disciples are made and those disciples are gathered together to be the local church in Derby or Lystra or Conium or wherever. And then they return to those churches and they appoint elders for them. Mm-hmm. So, so what, you know, the process of pathway evangelism, disciples made local church identified elders appointed was really a pattern that you see. I mean, even in, you know, Paul's uh, letter to Titus, you know, Titus one five, you know, Titus, the reason I left you on Crete was to appoint in every city, you know, the things that remained and appoint elders in every town that's on that, you know, 100 mile long island. And yeah. so in the New Testament, you don't see this notion of a wandering pastor looking for a church. Yeah. And so what we do today is we, we feel like we have to start with a pastor. And then from the pastor, he's got to have some long term kingdom citizens to gather together to be missional uh, and to reach out to their community locally and globally. And it's almost the reverse of what we see of the apostolic pattern of churches being birthed out of the harvest resulting in elders being appointed out of those congregations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Alan Hirsch has been a huge influence on me and I, you know, folks who've listened to this podcast know, you know, my love for Alan and he's become a good friend. And, and, uh, that was, uh, when I read shaping of things to come, that was one of those paradigm shifting moments for me, uh, that, Hey, we can do this, you know, differently <laughs> and need mm-hmm. to do this differently and we we've i think we've talked about this on podcast before but we uh our strategy planning team which is team leaders assistant team leaders and our executive staff here at the absc we got to talking about raising up young leaders uh you know to pastoral ministry to church planting and, and finding ways to build leadership pipelines and cultivate mm-hmm. and out of the 15 16 guys in that room there were only three that went the bible college seminary route uh everybody mm-hmm. else was engineering law finance marketing you know Mm -hmm. you name it and then you know we're called a ministry you know either in college or late high school or went on and did the secular degree and then in college or whatever and then started pastoring um and, and i think we've got so many of those people sitting in our pews and many of them wanting something more and no avenue for them to express you know what god could be doing in their lives yeah absolutely and and if we do cast a vision for them uh, to go and reach the unreached people and build, you know, Romans 15, build upon a foundation that's not been laid, which is another conversation we may get to in a minute. If we do cast that vision for them, they immediately think it has to be outside of North America. Yeah. And and the category in which we say that they need to live up to in North America is, is usually 
what I refer to as sort of the eight, nine, 10 talented type of leader. You know, the guy who is able to stand up and for 45 minutes, you yeah. know, give a monologue of exposition from the book yeah. of Philippians, which mm-hmm. that's my approach and that's my preference. Yeah. Um, he's able to administrate, uh, you know, a nonprofit organization. He's able to oversee assimilation. He's able to oversee children's ministry and he's able to put together a worship team that, you know, at least can play, you know, three chords. Yeah. <laughs> and and you be and then you begin to go to the people and you say, well, who among you can do these things? We, we want you not only to do the biblical things, but we want you to do these, these culturally, we don't say it this way, but we want you to do these culturally preferred ways of being the church and doing the church. Who among you can, can execute these things? Yeah. And oftentimes it's that eight, nine, ten talented type person, and we need to make room for them. They're in the body. But what about the two talented people, the five talented people? And, and if we're wanting to begin to talk about church multiplication, we've got to widen the church planting table. And right now I'm, I'm seeing some encouraging signs of, of a lot of folks wanting to widen those tables and invite those two, three talented people to the, to the table. But when they get there, we're giving them Saul's armor. Yeah. And we're saying, here, David. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and so we're going to have to, again, ask the question, biblically, what does it mean to be the church and recognize that many of our culturally preferred expectations and in some cases definitions are just that. They're, they're cultural preferences. They're not biblical prescriptions. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Spot that's on. Really good. Um, what You've talked about a little bit of uh, some systemic shifts and some correctives, if you will, that are kind of needed in church planting. What are some other, you know, real correctives that you see that, that, that we need to make shifts in uh, to, to do church planting better um, in North America? Yeah, I, I think we need, one, we need to learn to keep things simple mm-hmm. and highly reproducible. So so if we're talking about, you don't even talk about church until you talk about doing evangelism. You don't even talk about church until you talk about disciples being made so, I mean, how much, how many resources do you need, people or money, uh, when it comes to doing evangelism, uh, discipling five, ten people, uh, the way of Jesus, um, gathering them together to be the local expression of the body of Christ? I mean, how much really do we need? And I feel like we're going to have to begin to think in terms of keeping things simple, because when you look throughout the Scripture, I mean, you see accusations of these men have come here and they've turned the world upside down. Mm-hmm. You don't turn the world upside down with complexity. First um, Thessalonians chapter one, you know, the gospel rings forth, rings forth from the new believers in Thessalonica throughout Macedonia and Achaia. Well, how does that happen unless you keep it simple and it just yeah. spreads, you know, like wildfire? Yeah. And so the, the issue of simplicity, I think, is a big thing. The other thing is we have got to move also to an expectation of unreached people groups. And 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 we, we do if you're outside of North America. Right. I mean, I mean, what evangelical group, and I'm a fourth-generation Southern Baptist and proud to be one, um, what what Southern Baptist or evangelical in general group would, would say, you know, we're really proud of, of our church planning efforts because we're sending people all over the world to go plant churches among reached people groups. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we would never do that. Yeah. No, yeah. Everyone would say, no. It's crazy no. missing. But why do we do it here? Yeah. I mean, why, why is our expectation to pour our energy and effort and resources and an and invitation to call out planters to go and plant among reached people? Yeah. And so I would say we, we've got to shift in that thinking. So 
So our expectation becomes unreached people rather than that being the exception. I mean, right now, right now, the, the expectation is reached people. If you go to someone and say, hey, I'm going to go work among an unreached people. I'm going to go work among the Somali in the United States. Uh, I'm going to work among the Yemeni in the United States. Well, first of all, most people don't know that they're here. Right. But then if we say that we're going to do that, they look at you like you're from another planet. They got this deer in the headlight look, and they're thinking, <laughs> oh, that's just strange. Yeah. Um, but but most people do not know, uh, and, and a lot of people listening to this podcast is the first time they're hearing this, but, but the United States is home to the third largest number of unreached people groups of all the countries in the world. Right. Yeah. And and Canada is very close behind, uh, almost almost tying us mm-hmm. uh, at number four. So you're looking at number three and number four, Canada and the United States, when it, or the United States and Canada, when it comes to home to the largest number of unreached people groups yeah. in all the behind India and behind China. And and so we've got a shift in that being our expectation. It doesn't mean that we don't allow for exceptions. Um, that we don't allow for, you know, the, the, the playing churches among rich people. There's a place for that. But we've got to shift these expectations to, I think, in a, a different direction. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've been spending the last few years identifying some of those unreached people groups, some unreached, unengaged, you know, here in Arkansas. Right. A uh, lot of Indian population moving to central Arkansas, uh, Punjabi, Gahari, you know, several of those uh tribes in, in in india and and mm-hmm. they're in that unreached unengaged you know group as well and uh we actually just brought on a guy to our staff on our mission team and that is his primary focus is looking to engage unreached unengaged folks here in arkansas and connect churches with those unreached people groups here mm-hmm. uh and then beyond and we've developed a, a strong partnership with southeast asia a uh, lot of a lot of churches engaging there, doing mm-hmm. some significant things in Southeast Asia, and and uh, I, it, that's that's growing in Arkansas. There's a lot more to be done, but that awareness of the UPGs and UUPGs uh, is growing dramatically in Arkansas, and uh, real excited about what's happening there. Uh, and I mean, if right. you think. And if you think about this, I mean, whether it's with a college student, student, or whether it's with someone in a in a rural area of your state working in a meat processing uh, factory, mm-hmm. uh, they're coming from parts of the world. Uh, they're representing unreached people groups. But here's the thing: they stay in touch. Yeah, they still stay in touch with family members and loved ones back home. They're yeah. sending money back. Yeah, or if they're college students, there's a heavy amount of dependences there. And so, I mean, we I we have stories. I have stories of churches being planted in other parts of the world as a result of people reaching out, sharing the gospel, connecting with people, and even planting churches here uh, in this country. And so, you know, what if what if one possibility of the future of where where your church or where, uh, you know, your church planning work it goes in the future is based around the social networks, the people that you're ministering to mm. in Arkansas or in Alabama? Yeah. Um, because... It, you know, I was just talking to just a church member just, just this past week who has had an invitation uh, to go to a, a, a traditionally what we call the 1040 window uh, to to be with an unreached people group because he's reaching out to an unreached people group here in Birmingham. And the guy wow. said, why don't you come and be my guest? Stay with me. I'll introduce you to my family and friends. I know you I know you believe differently than I do, but I want you to I want to show hospitality to you. You've shown hospitality to me. Come with me to my home. Wow. I mean, the opportunities in the world in which we live are just huge, but do we see them? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it was uh, Nick Ripkin uh, came and spoke uh, here at the building a while back, and one of the things he said is as he interviewed uh, internationals living in and around Memphis, uh, he said he would ask four or five questions, and Chad, you can kind of help me get this right. Uh, how long have you been here? What drew you here? You know, things like that. And then uh, he would ask them, has, has any American ever reached out to you and invited, mm-hmm. invited you into their home? Mm-hmm. And has yeah. any American ever shared Jesus with you? And, mm-hmm. and he said, those last two questions, he said, I've yet to, he said, I think maybe he said one family had invited them into their home. Uh, nobody had shared Jesus with them. Uh, and, and I mean, it's, it's hundreds, you know, of people mm-hmm. that he had interviewed and yeah. he said, they're all around us. And he said, we, we don't engage the world has come to us. And, and he said, we have got to figure this out and wake up to a new reality. And that's West Memphis, Memphis, just other side, right. east side of the state yeah. for us. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing stories. I was just talking to a guy the other day, uh, in a very small area of Nebraska, uh, he identified a, a particular group, people group by name, uh, said that there were a couple thousand there because of, a, of an agriculture industry that was there. And anywhere you go in the world, any country that you go to in the world, they're considered an unreached people group. And yeah. here they are in a very rural area of Nebraska. Wow. wow. <laughs> you wouldn't think that, you right. know, in a rural right. area of Nebraska. Right. You know, Arkansas, you know, we, we've got uh, one of the largest Hmong populations in the country mm-hmm. because of Tyson and OK Foods. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I mean, there are, we did some church planning training with some Hmong church leaders up in, in Northwest Arkansas. And there's a former Buddhist monk in there who came to Christ. And, and all of them were refugees from mm-hmm. Laos, Vietnam, elsewhere. And they're all sending money back. They're all right. trying to get family members over here. And, and so I mean, you hit on this a while ago, you know, to, to kind of reach the world and connect with people, you know, start with people in your own context and connect mm-hmm. with them as they connect their families back home. You know, there are other ways that could, you know, help our church planners connect globally. Cause I know that's a big passion for you and heartbeat for you. Uh, just some tips for helping our church planners do church planning internationally as well. I know that, that family pathway and local neighborhood pathways a great pathway Any, mm-hmm. anything else you'd recommend well i mean we we as southern baptists have been been blessed with our you know what was the foreign mission board now the international mission board uh with just our her- history and our heritage of of having that culture of sending on a global scale and so there are incredible resources and um um words of wisdom that any of our churches could, could tap into uh, even beyond the IMB, I mean, there, there are outstanding mission agencies that uh, are headquartered here in the United States that have incredible training programs, assessment programs, uh, and can connect you, connect your churches with with partners on an international scale that you can work with. Uh, it's yeah, we we're we're at a point in time where there's a wealth of wealth of opportunities and information and training resources. If we'll just reach out to some of those that have gone, you know, before us for many many years. And, and glean from them and allow them to assist us and partner with us in that journey. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, really appreciate all of your insights and just, just you're taking time to visit with us. We always ask this question at the end just to see if there's anything, any advice you'd give our church planters or one thing you'd want to say to a church planter uh, that maybe you haven't said already just to kind of help help them know what's on your heart. Yeah. You know, um, I'm assuming, you know, being in your own state, knowing you guys and what you're doing, um, this this is, you know, obvi- obviously 
communicated to them, but I'll share this as well. Um, just making certain that they they don't lose sight of that personal walk with the Lord, uh, mm-hmm. that they that kind of that Mary Martha context, that they don't get caught so much up in the doing and me- meeting the deadlines and this visit and having coffee with this person and reaching out over here, that they lose sight of that that daily time in the Word, time in prayer, walking walking with Christ. Uh, tied closely to that, uh, again, you would think that this would be a gimme in church planning, but it's not. Um, don't get so caught up in all the administrative tasks that you're not intentional in your evangelism. Uh, and so making certain that that is, is a priority as well. Uh, the, the, the fourth thing that I would say, you know, to add to that just for the you know, sake of brevity in our time is, is do not neglect your family. Make certain that your family is priority, that you guard uh, your, your family. Uh, you, know, you don't have to read fall, far in Paul's letters to, to Timothy and, and to others about the, the value and the importance of family um, and how that is a model to the world. Uh, the model to not only new believers, but also a model to the unbelievers as well. And so, so making certain that that family is prioritized in your life. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Uh, all right, so we're going to and then listen to your all's podcasts. Of course, it's podcast. essential. That's it's essential right. in the toolbox of the church. Yeah, you know, I think it's probably in uh, Paul's description of spiritual gifts somewhere uh, <laughs> that uh, listening to this podcast is a gift. Because <laughs> some podcasts. Are- <laughs> uh, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> well, let's move into rapid fire then and get the get to the burning questions everybody wants to yeah, know. Yeah, I've about heard J. of this, Payne. and I'm I've, I've heard of this rapid fire, and I'm really concerned. <laughs> I mean, you probably I, should I, be. I should have prayed harder before this time, <laughs> knowing that you know, every, coming. Every, every guy's intimidated with rapid fire, but everybody survives. We've not, oh, that's right. we've not seen one person fired because of rapid but fire. But they always so. walk with a limp after they do yeah. this, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is your, your Jacob wrestling with God moment. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, mercy. All right. All right. What are the top one or two books that have had the most impact on you? I tell you what, I, I can give you a few right off the top of my head. Uh, okay. They come in different categories. Uh, in the church planting world, it would be Charles Brock's book, Indigenous Church Planting. Uh, okay. Closely tied to that in the general missions category would be Roland Allen's Missionary Methods, St. Paul's or Ours, um, Donald McGavern's book, Understanding Church Growth, uh, and then kind of broadening outside of those, those areas, some other books that have had influence on me, uh, Finley Edge's little book that came out years ago called The Doctrine of the Laity. It was a yeah. was an influential book on me, and then more from a theological perspective, uh, Luther's Bondage of the Will, and then uh, some of Augustine's writings against Pelagius. So those it's more than one or two, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, awesome. I, I read. I try to read widely. Uh, so, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, mission I, accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> well, well done there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I we're. You know, avid readers as well. And I told Chad the other day, I think I've read about 15 books in the last three weeks. And so uh, I've been on a big reading binge here lately. So I just uh, added a couple to my list there, it looks like. So all right, yeah, what would you I say? Think, Go ahead. I think, I think I've read um, 15 pages in the last three weeks. So I'm right behind you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you're right there with me. Keep, Nip keep at your heels. Keep striving. <laughs> or what do you say? Keep grinding? There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So biggest strength, biggest weakness, challenge to overcome in ministry? Biggest 
Wait, wait. Biggest strength to overcome? No, your biggest strength, <laughs> and then your biggest challenge, weakness to overcome. Oh well, I mean, this is going to this is going to sound um, contradictory, but it's but it's very true. Uh, I, my, I think one of my biggest strengths is that I I I see and I think evangelism and intentional in evangelism, but the other side of that edge of the sword, um, I often find myself not wanting to do it. I mean, I think it. But I don't want to do it, and yeah. I mean there, there. I mean, I mean, being transparent, guys. I, there have been times when I'm praying, you know, God, give me the desire. I know I need to give me the desire to just have a desire yeah. to share with this person. And um, mm. and so while it's it's always on the front burner of my thoughts. I mean, even before I get out of bed in the morning, I'm praying for opportunities uh, throughout that day uh, that the Lord would open up. Um, wow. There are many times. There are many times that I struggle with yeah. with acting on that. I imagine that would be a confession of all of us. Uh, yes. In the church planning world, for sure, <laughs> for sure. How about your favorite hobby or pastime? Um, hobby would be playing guitar, and uh, pastime, you know, playing guitar as well. Yeah, we need to talk about this a little bit because uh, <laughs> uh, at what was two thousand fifteen, I guess, when you came to our church planning conference, and and uh, of course, Alan Hirsch was here as well, and Alan and I have. An affinity and love for the same type of music. He's a big progressive rock guy. I thought those were private conversations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so so here we are. Alan and I are talking, and I see JD's head pop up over uh, across the room. Here he comes. Hey, hey, are you guys talking music? And come to find out, we have a guitar virtuoso in our midst, and didn't wow. even know it. That's hyperbole, man. You're stretching uh, it a long, long way. Long uh, way. Things that you didn't know about JD Payne, and now you do. And so. Uh, so we had it, that was a fun conversation. We uh, uh, I, I need to text Alan because uh, this band that we love that nobody's ever heard of called Porcupine Tree, which by uh, the way I looked up after that conversation. Yeah. So I what did. do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I pulled him up on on Pandora. Yeah. Yeah. He said, well, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's yeah, some that's music there, fellas. <laughs> I wouldn't call it music, I mean, but that's a band. I, yeah. I can dig it, man. I, I like yeah. that instrumental stuff. Well, Stephen Wilson, awesome. their lead singer and guitar player, just released a new solo album. It came out Friday, and so no, I haven't haven't talked to Alan yet to see what he thinks. But it's it's pretty different from his other stuff, and uh, it's got some very poppy elements. And so, uh, and I can I can nerd out about music all day long, and I need to do a music <laughs> podcast as well, and uh, to get some of this stuff out of me. But um, anyway. Um, so next time you come to Arkansas, you need to bring your guitar, and uh, we need to have some. We need to hear some Joe Satriani or something, you know. I'll, and I'll bring my late '80s mullet. How about that? Hey, bring it. <laughs> That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. You'll fit in just fine here in Arkansas. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, I don't have one. I don't. I, don't. I mean, I just. I like so many. I mean, if if I'm going to default, if someone's going to back me in a corner and say I have to answer, I'd have to go with Star Wars because I actually, uh, I saw the first one in the theater. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I was always a big Star Wars Star Wars buff. Yep. Um, but still, you know, I just I just like so many different things. So. Yeah, awesome. All right, outside of Porcupine Tree, what's your favorite <laughs> band or musician? Man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I I I'm not allowed to say because if I did. <laughs> There'd be so many people listening that would think I was the coolest guy, and my ego would just be inflated. And and there would be so many listening, JD. Just there'd be so many listening that they would be so offended (laughs) that 
I would feel so guilty for saying such things on on this podcast. Yeah. So I w- I would have to say my as far as a, as a musician, and I use that term loosely, very loosely. Maybe guitar <laughs> player is a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, late seventies, early eighties, uh, hard rock guitarists would be my influences. Yeah. Um, uh, and those bands of the the 80s and then kind of contemporary uh, those of these guys run back into that time would definitely be Joe Satriani, Eric Johnson, Steve Vai, a yeah. lot of instrumental uh, guitarists that I, I like and listen to. Yeah. You guys I, thought I was going to say Striper. You thought I was gonna <laughs> Striper. I know the correct one would be Petra. That's right. But... That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think you and I walked a similar path in music, I think, and from the late 70s, early it, 80s. It sounds and, like it, yeah, man. How, how old are you? I'm 43. Oh, gosh. You're no, nah, I'm five years older than you. So, uh, so, so maybe it's I all relative. To, yeah. It's all relative. And, uh, and so, uh, but yeah, see, I used to have hair to my rear end and singing a metal band. So I, I used to, I used to have a perm with hair past my collar and played in a hard rock band. <laughs> oh, wow. And only, two, and only two, only two people on this planet have photos, and I know which two those ladies are. One's yeah. my mom, one's my wife. Yeah, it's so awesome. I'm keeping them under lock and key, just like the 11 herbs and spices of KFC. So, see, I need we need to get a hold of your mom and your wife and to send us a picture as a promotional tool for this podcast. See you, podcast listeners, the value of tuning into these guys. What you learn. <laughs> so right. edifying. So That's productive. Right. Oh, That's right. Awesome. Oh, it's great. Oh, so funny. Well, there there are uh, some pictures floating around of me with my long hair as well. And and uh, the I think my mom burned most of those. She was not <laughs> proud of that time of my life. And, uh, and uh, but uh, yeah. So anyway. All right. We all have our skeletons in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mine anyway. still has a lot of flesh on the bones. You know? Yeah, that's, a, that's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, oh, that's great. All right. Well, there, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the heart and soul of JD Payne with Rapid Fire. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, I think yeah. I, I think I survived. Oh, here comes my inbox. Oh, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, your inbox is going to be filled with <laughs> who's Joe Satriani. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So who's Eric Johnson? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Cliffs of Dover, people. Come on. That's right. Uh, I, I remember when I first heard that on Austin City Limits. Oh, really. my goodness. Oh, his yeah. Austin City Limits performances are incredible. That's right. So I told you we could nerd out and talk. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I could get into that. And I saw Steve I play with Whitesnake back in the day. Uh, when I, it was I may have I, I may have seen that as well. It was a total. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. It did not fit. He was way too good a musician. A- Adrian Vandenberg had uh, to take a back seat. And that was he not did. Good, yeah. Right. Who who in his own right is an amazing guitar is this player. The part you edit out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is in there. This is in there. And uh, of course, all of I our told- guys. All of our guys know my my crazy love for weird music and and, well, uh, and so I told Dave he needs to start a, a podcast about music. Maybe JD, you're the you're the guy to do it with. That's right. That's right. See, see here's what I need to do. I need to interview church planting guys about music. See, I think that would be a fun. That'd be a there fun podcast. I'd listen that, to it. That would be interesting. I would listen to it. Yeah, that yeah. would be interesting. So, so anyway, food for thought there, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey, Nick. There's a Nick, our production minister over here. There's a new survey question. Should Dave start a podcast with church planters about music? <laughs> He's saying no, and so. Uh, <laughs> but Nick listens to Florida Georgia Line, so we know oh, he has okay. no taste. Can't trust that. Yeah, <laughs> That's can't right. Trust a guy that listens to that. <laughs> That's right. 
he may be possessed. I, we're, we're not sure because uh, we know Florida Georgia line doesn't come from Jesus. So anyway. Amen. All right. Well, J.D., thanks so much, man. Uh, it's good to see you again and across the video screen here. And, and uh, Tim Wicker and I were talking just this last week that it's about time for you to come back to Arkansas. So, man, uh, I'd love to. We, we got some stuff in the works, so I'll be hollering at you here before too long. I'd and, love to, and, and I'll even so put schedule. my shoes on. Hey, that'll, you won't have to in Arkansas. You'll fit right I'll, I'll wear my shoes this time. That's right. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Uh, Great interview with JD. Uh, Really like that guy. He is a deeply spiritual guy. Uh, You can just hear as as uh, he talks, loves Jesus, loves church, the church, loves church planting, and uh, he has been doing this for for quite a while now. He looks younger than his. Uh, years in church planting might convey, yeah. but uh, but uh, uh, and the thing and one of the things I've always loved about JD and this came out in the podcast as well is he is not interested in a transfer or shifting of sheep. Um, he has always been such a strong advocate for an apostolic disciple making approach to church planting, where you build the church off of new believers, uh-huh. and and I, I think we're seeing that shift more and more away from just a typical launch service weekend to spending some time exegeting a culture, getting involved in a city, building the kind of relationships that will open up opportunities to share the gospel, to see people come to Christ, and build the church out of those folks whether you have a core team helping you do that or not, but the primary emphasis is upon evangelism that produces disciples that then gathers the church. And so, um, you know, just to hear him, it's kind of disheartening to see that that was not enough of a trend yet that he would mention it as a trend. That that ought to say something uh, to us and how we approach being the church and sharing the gospel and building the church. Uh, that should be the first and foremost model that we see in church planning is just mm-hmm. not, yeah. and not wide, widespread enough to where he would even mention it as a as a thing. And and he's written about it. Of course, we've advocated that here in Arkansas. You know, Alan Hirsch and all the missional guys have been pushing this and advocating this uh, for a while. Uh, you know, with the whole post-Christian context and trying to be and build the church in a post-christian context and uh and so i you know i don't know what it'll take to to change that and shift that other than just you know continually chipping away at that and trying to draw people back to to what jesus did and if we do what jesus did then uh then we'll probably end up with the church that jesus wanted so yeah that's that's (laughs) a novel idea uh doing things like jesus you know that's, yeah, yeah, yeah that's all right yeah, yeah i think he uh i think he talked about we mainly had a pastor teacher model when yeah. it comes to church and church planting and so to think about a shift from that is i think very hard for us but i think if you're gonna see churches planted out of the harvest that's what you gotta do you gotta make that yeah. shift and uh yeah, I'm with you on that. And it, you know, and, and it's it's hard to we we've been ingrained in this for this model for so long. It's hard to imagine what it how it could look differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was speaking in, uh, this week at a church for a buddy of mine, and and sweet people. I mean, just awesome people. Love Jesus, love the Lord, um, and 
and James is trying to kind of draw them into a, a more missionary mindset to engage their community. And, and they, and it's not that they don't want to do that. They've just never seen that before. Nobody's ever led them that way before. And so it's all, that's crazy as that sounds, that's all brand new to them. Right. Uh, yeah. you know, have, n- have not done any mission trips, have not, you know, done anything like that. They're, you know, very family oriented church. A lot of people related to one another. And, and, uh, and so it's it, it's not that I, I don't think it's that people don't want to embrace something new. It's just not sure what that looks like and how to do that. And right. so, so we need some good examples to show folks, and hopefully we're getting some of those with our church plants. Well, so. it's a it's a huge shift of I show up and preach on Sunday, people come to Christ, lives are changed, we build the church, to going out doing evangelism. You know that apostolic where you know just a, it is a huge shift it's yeah. it's it's missiology before ecclesiology and, and, and we're, <laughs> yeah. we're typically thinking about it the other way so yeah yeah yep um i also loved the discussion on the people groups um yeah we i think since we recorded this podcast we've found out some recent numbers in arkansas that there's about 120 people groups in Arkansas, and about half of those would be considered either unreached uh, or unreached, unengaged yeah. people groups. Um, I think there's something like 36 that are unreached, 32 that are unreached, unengaged, something like that. Yeah. So about half, and just to think about that in our own state, it's mind blowing. It, it yeah. doesn't seem real. Yeah. It doesn't seem possible. And, uh, you know, I, I think by and large, we struggle with ethnic church planting here and i don't yeah i don't know if it is because it's more apostolic it's more missionary you know and it you know like we i've been talking with a guy about he's got this neighborhood and on his heart in fayetteville and he's like we got to find a planter and i'm like we really probably the best place to find a planter would be from the harvest in that neighborhood Uh, yeah yeah and that's so hard because it seems like that's impossible but you know, I think it's going to take that type of mindset shift to, to, to really reach people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, and, you know, there are a lot of uh, Southeast Asian people here in central Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we've found, what, a pocket of seven or 8,000 Cherokee on the west side of the state that we didn't know were there. Um, y- you know, uh, a lot of uh burmese people coming in to work for tyson and okay foods and Uh you know for myanmar and some of those uh countries and and some of these countries are closed to missionaries and so you know if we're going to you know it's back to this whole we got to do this like jesus did you know go out preach the kingdom of god minister the needs of people make disciples in the harvest raise up leaders out of that harvest so then the church can gather mm-hmm. and not only you know reach these people groups here but then they still have connections back home with their families and their friends and then they become the missionaries to reach their people which is better than we could ever do it on our own. And, yeah. and so, uh, but it's, it's work and it's, it's uh, taking the long, long view and that's hard because we want quick wins and in our microwave culture and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just tough. It's tough. Yeah. And, uh, 
And so, uh, and and JD's, you know, he's got a, he's a missionary at heart and travels all over the world working with, uh, you know, different people groups and learning how to engage different people groups and you know is passionate about listening to the Holy Spirit as He guides and reaching you know these people groups and so growing conversation in Arkansas uh, as we just brought on a guy at state convention Jamie Narramore to help us kind of engage our international people groups here in in Arkansas and hoping to see some uh, cool church plants come out of out of that yeah exactly. neat stuff neat yeah, stuff yep all right great conversation with jd we're gonna try and get him back in the state for another one day event coming up uh here in the next year or two and and i always love listening to that guy uh, he's got several books you can check out he's written he's got a great book on apostolic church planting uh he's got a book called barnabas factors just on raising up leaders that's really good what characteristics you look for in a leader uh just got some great stuff and he's got a new book coming out that i think is looking at some uh you know, international people groups kind of stuff as relates relates to church planting. So, so that'd be interesting as well. Looking forward to that. So, uh, lo- love JD. All right, we're gonna kick it over. Story time with Uncle Neil. It's story time with Uncle Neil. Today's story is about cowboy churches in general. You know, cowboy churches are some of the fastest growing churches in the state of Arkansas. The goal of these church plants is to reach people with the gospel. They use cowboy events and Western heritage culture to connect the gospel with people who live in this subculture. There are unreached families all over Arkansas and all over the United States who need the gospel. These cowboy churches are providing clear contextual expressions of the gospel in the Western heritage culture to reach as many people as possible. We want to hear your cowboy church stories or church planning stories in general. You can email us at thegrind at absc.org. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us once again on our latest episode of The Grind Church Planting Podcast. Uh, we got a couple things coming up we'll make you aware of. Uh, we got an interview with Sam Roberts, pastor of First Baptist in Stuttgart, Arkansas, coming up. Uh, one of our great church planting partners, not just here in Arkansas, but across the country. Strong partnership in Boston. Uh, strong partnership in Russia as well been linking up with church planners over there for several years now uh they they are all over the world and love that guy and his heart for mission and church planning so he'll be coming on uh real soon and uh and then we'll be podcasting live from our uh arkansas baptist state convention annual meeting uh i've got some cool interviews coming up there and some neat stuff going on we'll have some some studio audiences for those podcasts we'll see how that goes that may be an absolute train wreck but uh (laughs) i mean really you know what more do you expect from us Uh, you know yeah every episode is just one breath away from a train wreck so uh, (laughs) that's how we roll here on the grind (laughs) And then we've got uh, George Ross, our buddy George Ross, who has been on the podcast, a friend of Arkansas, Send City Missionary in New Orleans, who's going to come and do a one-day event in December uh, on uh, gospel coaching. And so looking forward to that um, uh, in December. And that'll be kind of our last hoorah for the year. And uh, and then some great stuff you know, coming up next year with Neil Cole and, and uh, really exciting things. So... 
So thanks for, for hanging with us on the grind. Continue to check us out. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your enemies. Tell people you don't know uh, to come check us out. Write us a review. We've got some some fancy mugs sitting here in the office we'd love to send you with a book or two and and for doing a review for us. And uh, uh, we always have fun with this and hope you guys enjoy it as well. And so for Dave McClung, I am signing off until next time. Keep grinding. <laughs>